Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, stomping Jen. Yes. Hello. Hi. I'm really excited for this podcast. We are going to be talking to Dave Ironman, a life coach, a shamanic coach, and a licensed acupuncturist. So many things. So many things. I'm so excited to learn about all these things. And as usual, I have so many questions. That's excellent. Okay. Because I have no questions yet. You will have. So you have a list. And I'm happy for that. You will be prompted <laughs> by my insightful questions. That's right. To have your own questions. Excellent. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Here comes the intro music. Excellent. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen. What happened? It's the creamiest. Did the, did the truck get you? The most delicious ideas. Is that a word? Delicious? No. It's no. Not a word. If it is a word, it's a terrible word. Doesn't sound very good. Well, how you doing, Stomping Jen? I'm okay. Sorry. What are you sorry had, for? What's going brain, on? I over had a there? braid space unicorn's hair. Oh, space unicorn, yes. who recently appeared on our Thanksgiving episode. We heard lots of insightful commentary from her. Yes. Well, it's good for her to be in the podcast studio, even if it's briefly. Yes, we kicked her out. Right, but yes. for this so episode, let us set space unicorn aside and let us say hello to our guest, Dave Ironman. Dave, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I introduced you with a string of titles at the beginning of the podcast episode, and I sometimes get it wrong or I don't emphasize the right things. So um, we would just want to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to us and our guests and tell us um, who you are and um, why you're here to talk to us uh, today. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a shamanic coach. I'm a licensed acupuncturist. And those terms, all those terms that you said, all the three things that you listed, I come with all at once. So when someone comes to see me for a session, I don't really say, okay, I'm only acting as an acupuncturist and these other elements aren't there. I'm only working as a life coach and these other elements aren't there. But I don't really have a succinct title to describe all of those together. But essentially, I'm I'm here to help people grow, help people to come to a better understanding of who they are, um, who how they interact with the world, how they fit into the world, and feel better in a more empowered, enriched way of living life. Okay, thank you for that explanation. And 
That sounds to me um, a lot like whole person healing, which is what you describe on your website. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the concept of whole person healing and what the focus of that approach is? Certainly. So one of the great things in Western medicine is that it's our ability to really get into the details. So if I want, if I have a problem with my elbow, we can I get an x-ray and MRI. We can get right down to the specific muscle fiber, the specific tendon right here in my elbow that's causing me some problems. But so we're really good at seeing this one little detail, but we lose context. So when I come at it, the way I, I look at healing, the way that I approach my work and really the way I approach life is that everything is connected. So I don't really separate out mental issues from emotional is issues, from physical issues. They're all one. They might have different weights you know, in a particular time, if I slip and, and trip and bang up my knee, that may not be have a, a very emotional or mental component to it, but there's, I'm going to have thoughts and feelings about that. So I really look at everything being connected in that way. And one of the things of, of um, say new agey or non-traditional or alternative, I kind of like the term alternative, um, medicine and approach is that we really come at it from context instead of looking at one ant on one leaf on one tree we look at the forest okay and so i'm trying to think about the person who um in non-covid times might walk through your office doors or now might meet with you um, online through a through a session or something. Um, however, you're however you're seeing um, people who come to you. Um, what what would what would bring a person to contact you and like walk through your door and say I am in need of um, this type of alternative medicine? Like what who are the types of people you might see come through your door? It's really funny because a lot of people don't know exactly what I do. So I have a people come in. The most common thing that I would say that gets people in the door would be stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Those and 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 symptoms related to that. You know, certainly if we're stressed, if, if we're anxious, we have our our, our sleep's going to be off, our digestion's going to be off, our mood is going to be off. You know, an old injury can come up, um, but. That's the most common thing that someone comes in the door with, and they don't really know where I'm, you know, where they're going to go. But I've had people come in with uh, shoulder issues. And when I first start talking to them, I don't start with, tell me about your shoulder. I start with, tell me where you were born, where you grew up. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your relationships. Tell me about what you, what do you do for work? What do you do for fun? All that is building context. So then I say, why are you here? And like, okay, well, I'm dealing with anxiety. Okay, well, I already have an idea of your background and what is what makes you you. So whatever issue someone comes in with, whether it is um, recovering from surgery or infertility or anxiety or anything really under the sun, I want to understand that in the greatest possible context of who this person is. Yeah. And, and so, go ahead. Yeah, no, thanks. That That's a great explanation. And um, are people coming to you um, 
I imagine there's a mix, but in my mind, there are people coming to you who maybe traditional Western medicine might have failed, right? They may yes. have they may have been on SSRIs or they um, those are those are drugs stomping gen to treat anxiety and depression or Thank you. Um, you know they may have tried some other like traditional approach and then they're they want to try an alternative approach is that a typical situation absolutely and they they definitely you know come people say like I've tried all these things and nothing's worked or. I know something is wrong, but all the tests come back normal. Or I've tried, you know, I want to avoid surgery. I want to get off this medication. I don't believe this is the way I, I need to live. And that that is a common thing. Um, also, there's... Um, so... For some people, it is like, yes, the Western medical system has failed, you know, but I, I don't really like that. I think it's just not the right thing at the right time. You know, it's like one of the beauties about acupuncture and shamanic work is that we can take symptoms which seem very disparate, things that we would not see the same doctor for. Someone might see their OBGYN if, you know, for menstrual issues and then also see a different a headache specialist and a sleep specialist and a dietitian where we can, in acupuncture or Chinese medicine the or shamanism, we can say all of this is actually one thing. All of these different things are symptoms of a root imbalance that we're going after. Mm-hmm. So it's I love providing that different context for somebody to look at, like, oh my goodness, that makes sense as to why this is happening. I'm waking up at one in the morning, and that also has to I, I can understand why that has relate that relates to my anxiety or that relates to my anger or that relates to my childhood, you know, or in, in a way that doesn't is not really explainable by Western medicine and where acupuncture and shamanism can give a very different perspective as to why all these things, which might seem all over the map, are actually all symptoms of one root imbalance. And can can people can people work with a traditional doctor like their PCP and also see um, somebody like you, a, a life yeah. coach and a shamanic healer? Can you can you oh, talk yeah. a little bit about that? Oh yeah, and and I encourage people to. Yep. Because there is a there is a limit to what I do. I am not a um, a non Western practitioner who issues Western medicine, yep. right? If if I'm in a car accident, I'm not calling a Reiki practitioner. I'm going to the ER, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I and my my family, for instance, genetically, we have high cholesterol. It is just it runs in the family, and despite diet and exercise and things that I can do to take care of myself. I still have high cholesterol. That is still something that I, that I will go and get checked. I think it's important to have that aspect. I think I think Western medicine is really powerful and can do some amazing things that I can't do. That is beyond my scope. And so I highly encourage people to take it as a balance of what I do or people practitioners like me, what we do, as well as what allopathic medicine provides. Okay, good. I'm 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 glad you said that um, because I think some people in their minds, um, stomping gen might see these potentially as mutually exclusive things, and I don't. Um, so right. I see them as you know you can you can see somebody like 
Dave and also continue to see your primary care doctor. And mm-hmm. and the, the example that's popping into my mind about how kind of alternative non-Western medicine approaches complement Western medicine was your delivery of space unicorn. <laughs> um, Dave, like we had a, we had a midwife. Um, we didn't have who, a midwife. We, oh, what, what, um, we help me a, out. A doula. a doula. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> They're I, different things. Yep. No, thank you for the course correction. Um, so we had a doula who had spent a lot of time um, kind of um, doing deliveries. And I think she had a lot of methods that I would consider non-traditional. And mm-hmm. she used a lot of herbal remedies and stuff. Anyway, so we were in the delivery room and, um, that you know, they had they had Stomping Gen hooked up to all sorts of machines and belts and monitors and stuff. And like one of the monitors started going off and the doctor like started making these motions like that he wanted to like do a C-section immediately because like, the baby's, it was a heart rate monitor. Like, yeah. if you're going to tell the story, tell the story. <laughs> yeah. The baby's heart rate monitor. So the heart rate started getting um, yeah, dropping. A little bit. So the doctor, the Western medicine OBGYN doctor, got a little uh, anxious about that. Got a little flighty and panicky. Got a little anxious about it and started indicating that there was potentially an issue. Yeah. And what I loved, though, is our doula who was approaching this from a different kind of complementary mindset who we had so we had taken the doctor aside and said she is part of our healthcare Earth team, team yeah. and her 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 input is valuable here you have to listen to her and he was okay with that but anyway she kind of like stepped in it was like well i've seen a lot of this before and i don't think we need to go cutting anybody open like let's all just calm down and it all ended up being totally fine mm-hmm. I think what I'm saying is like I'm really glad we had that complementary, non kind of industrialized Western medicine perspective in the room, you know, because I think it I think yeah. it, it helped everybody, inclu- mm-hmm. including you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. It is really important to have that balance, and I tell my clients I, I work to have my clients not listen to me exclusively. I say, this is what Chinese medicine says, and this is what makes sense to me. If this doesn't make sense to you, or if you try this and it doesn't work, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. body holds more wisdom than my brain. Yeah, You're the one actually living in that body. You're the one actually having that experience. So I, I advise people to talk to their Western medical doctor, to talk to me, to talk to other people, and come from to get uh, points of data and perspectives from a variety of places and then make up their own mind what makes most sense to them, what resonates most deeply with them, and then say, let them be their own primary care, essentially. Yeah. Um, now, I'm thinking a little bit about this idea of life coaching. There might there might be people out there... Um, you know, mildly successful podcast hosts, for example, who say, I, I don't need a life coach. What, what, like, what? Really? I was thinking you could totally use Dave's like whole healing process. I know. Seriously. Um, You're like his exact target audience. <laughs> probably. Um, so, I, I mean, to, to kind of to that point, like why, why, um, 
how can a life coach help somebody? And, and also, keep, I want to keep in mind that you bundle that with some of these other concepts and approaches. I, I don't want us to lose sight of that. But um, how do we get somebody to to think about, you know, maybe I, I could explore having a life coach or something like that? Yeah, so that that's a life coach. It, it's a it's a very I think broadly defined term because there are lots of different styles, lots of different approaches. It generally has a less formal aspect than maybe a psychotherapist does. And my and I'm not knocking psychotherapy at all. My wife is a therapist, so I'm I'm not knocking that modality by any means. But it's a different approach where I would say that coaching is more about now moving forward where therapy a lot of times ends up looking back to where we were to understand now to go forward where for me someone's like i don't feel good and i want to feel better there's a very present approach to it the other you know the other technical side to it is um i don't have a degree in psychology and i i don't have a degree in um mental health in that way so where there's for a life coach, it's more, it's a certification. There isn't really a licensure for it the way there is for psychologists or psychotherapists or psychiatrists that you go to school for it and it's much more rigorous study. This is more, a life coach is more, um, and anecdotal is the word that comes to mind, but that may not be the best one. It's, it's supportive and I know I'm not necessarily like friends with my clients. I still have you know healthy boundaries in that way, um, but it's it's a little less, I would say, rigid and sterile than your typical uh, psychotherapist approach. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Um, now I want to kind of um, shift gears a little bit and talk about the acupuncture aspect of. Um, your your um, whole person um, healing practice. Um, can you just tell us a little bit for for those listening to this who may not know what acupuncture is or might have a um, a conception about it that doesn't match what it is in practice? Can you tell us what acupuncture is and and how it how it works in your mind? Yeah. So acupuncture is essentially. A process of placing these really tiny, very, very tiny, we'll come back to that, needles um, in someone's body, very, uh, not deeply at all, that helps stimulate the flow of their energy. So the acupuncture has a very different perspective on how the body functions and how, how health works than Western medicine. Essentially, it came about during a time when it was against the cultural morals to dissect a body so they didn't know the structure of the internal organs they didn't really uh, they didn't know that so the perspective that they came from was that there are these rivers of energy that run through our body that it's supposed to be, it just create one very long loop is the primary channels create one very very long loop that run through the entire body and it's considered river of energy we use the term river a lot a lot of water analogy mm-hmm. so if the river is flowing smoothly then we're in good health and that would be mental emotional and physical if there's a hiccup in anywhere in our flow and that could be because of physical trauma like i i trip and bang up my knee or an emotional trauma or stress or just 
life being what it is, that that's going to inhibit the flow of our chi. So what acupuncture does, what the needles do is they coax our body's energy to restore a, a more smooth flowing energy. And is chi um, a word for that energy? Is that it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's it's got a very translated over from Chinese. It's got a very new agey kind of name. It's like this universal life force energy. It's very very new agey and cheesy, but the idea that everything is energy. And my wife and I were talking about this that you know, even for people who are you say like, oh, energy that's just a that's just a bunch of, you know, quack and whatever like that. They still have that experience of of being at a sporting event and like oh, I can really feel the energy of the crowd. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they they that that language is still part of our vernacular, even if people kind of roll their eyes a little bit at the idea of oh well I don't have it and it's I don't these little needles they're not going to what are they going to do to my, to me? Yeah, and do those needles um, when they're applied to the body do they hurt or are they? Uh- no, see, this this is the probably the biggest hang that people have with acupuncture is the association with the word needle, and and I get it. Like I said, I have high cholesterol, and so I have to I get my blood drawn every so often to get it checked. And I I can't stand the hypodermic needles. I have a hard time with that, and I'm around needles all day long. But these acupuncture needles are the size of a cat's whisker. You can get 18 of them into one hyperdermic. They do, are that small. Do they tickle like a cat's whisker? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they tickle. Um, every so often you might feel a little bit of a pinch, um, okay. but it's that pinch disappears right away. Okay. Once they're in, most people don't even know that they're in or there's just a general like sed- sedation feeling to having them in. Um, sometimes you might feel a little... Uh, tingling or numbness where the needles are a little heaviness but i look at them as i want my i want my people on their table to be comfortable so i kind of consider that the acupuncture needles are giving your body suggestions advice on how to move their energy and if you're on the table and you're receiving this but you are uncomfortable then you're actually going to send a louder piece of message to your louder message to your entire body that says don't listen to this. I'm not comfortable. I need to reject this. So I want people on the table to be comfortable. That way they are going, the needles are going to be more effective. Okay. Um, and you have to be licensed to do acupuncture. Um, can yes. you talk a little bit just about um, that licensing process? And do you, do you go to school to, to do that? Yes. The There is... It's state by state, the different requirements, but in Massachusetts, you have to have a master's degree in acupuncture, which is, so it's a, it's a three-year program of acupuncture. And then there's board exams that you have to take. So every licensed acupuncturist in Massachusetts um, is board certified by the board of medicine. And we have to take continuing continuing education credits and continue to renew our license every couple of years. It's not um, just, hey, one weekend, like, oh, I'll take a weekend course in acupuncture, and that, that's what I'll do. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a rigorous process that includes thousands of hours of studies and hundreds of hours of working with clients under supervision in clinic 
prior to even being able to graduate be, before you're able to take your board exams. Wow. Well, I had well, no idea. About yeah. That. I, I, I didn't know those details, but I, I suspected it was, you know, right. a rigorous process. Dave, like one of the things I've talked about before on this podcast is I used to be a medical writer. And one of my, I think, clearest memories um, uh, when I from that career, I, I no longer do that, but I was writing kind of a small book on smoking cessation. And we were kind of, I was writing the chapter on alternative medicine and alternative approaches. And when we got, when I got to the stuff on acupuncture, I, I think, I think I learned and I think I'm correctly recalling that it was the only alternative, um, uh, medicine approach that was, has been shown in clinical trials to actually be effective, like double blind trials to actually Mm -hmm. be effective. So like at that point in, you know, when I was deeply immersed in stuff like the scientific process and all that stuff, I said to myself, Oh wow. Okay. So this is something that really works. Like it, it's, it's an actual, it's an actual therapy that works for people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, yeah, I, that's an interesting thing. I, I get that question a lot when, yeah. when people say, Oh, what do you do? I'm an, I'm an acupuncturist. Oh, really? Does that work? And I, I understand that, that question, but it makes me smile um, in part because I know all of the work that goes into becoming an acupuncturist mm-hmm. and you know, that, that, you know, like, yes, I went into all of this debt from student loans and I spent all of this time and energy doing this <laughs> just so I could just dis- disprove that this, that this works. Right. Yeah. It must be. But it's, and also it's, it's thousands of years old. So there, you know, things that are that old that are not workable, that don't actually do something, they don't last. Yeah. They 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 just get phased out over time because if it's if the proofs the proofs in the pudding if this isn't actually doing something then it's not going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about how acupuncture um, in its practice is a way to kind of tell the body you're not sending the energy to the right place or maybe you should redirect it here. Can you tell us tell us a little bit about what you think that um, energy might be, can it be defined? Like, is it, is it, or is that not even a, a question that's worth asking because a, it works? I think it's a great question, but it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to answer in, in some ways because it's, a lot of it is a felt experience when, when you actually have acupuncture for the first time, or if you receive energy work for the first time, you feel things that you wouldn't normally feel. And I've had people who have come in even just for say frozen shoulder, you know, and, and they come in and they're, it's, it's predominantly just, we're just working on a physical thing. They had surgery and they, to repair the shoulder and they, and they just were tentative with the PT and it just, it, the muscles didn't really grow and stretch. So they're just, we need, they need some help moving that in, move, moving that around so they can get their range of motion back. and. Even with that, they put some needles in and they're like, I don't know how to describe it. I felt these waves of energy and I, I just, I felt warm and tingling. And like the words that people use, it's one of the places that where the English language kind of fails us because we don't have adequate descriptors for what those sensations are. It's what energy is. It's a, that's a, 
That's a hard question. And also sometimes our offer is that, that potentially that question is trying to uh, scientificize, scientize mm -hmm. a, uh, um, um, a, a very organic process. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. Yeah, totally. Um, it's hard to quantify. This is more of a, 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 it's a quality as yep. opposed to a, a quanti something that's mm -hmm. to be quantified. Yep. And um, yeah, I, and I think about, I think about relaxation and how hard that is to do, right? Like as a human, yeah. as a human walk, I think I'm human stomping Jen. Are you? I don't know. As a human walking <laughs> through this world. There are times when I when I like I feel like I have to will myself to relax and I often feel like I'm working against forces that don't want me to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like it's especially yeah. at night like when I'm trying to like lie there and go to sleep and I just you just I don't know how to explain it. Like you just have to like I don't think you're the only person that experiences it either, which is yeah. why people like Dave are so yeah. needed in our society because we have such pressures on us. But I guess because, what I, Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well no, I was just gonna say, like, you know, like even the idea that we can just sit and do nothing yeah. for a couple of hours it yeah. seems wasteful in the society and the culture yeah. that we live in. Right? And who, and who yeah. told you yesterday that was okay? You did, but you don't listen to your own advice no, ever. Never. You're constantly on the move. You're like constantly moving around. Like that's just true. That's true. Anyway, I, the point I was trying to make though is this: um, this intentional trying to relax to me doesn't feel muscular. It doesn't. Feel, it like there. There's something else to in it. your mind. Your monkey mind doesn't want you to <sighs> slow down and go to. I don't sleep. know. And, and I just wanted to make just, that. I'm telling you, Dave, new client right over here. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just making the, I just wanted to make the observation for like that about there's oh, an, en there's, there's an energy around relaxing or yeah. Yeah. And we are conditioned out of it. Like you, you were alluding to something, Jen, that we, we, our culture conditions us to be always going, doing, moving, thinking, acting, planning, there isn't a being associated with it. We, we don't really have that. And I'm, I'm lucky. I'm of the age. Um, I'm in, there's this, I'm of the age where I grew up prior to the internet. I grew up sort of with the internet. So I remember when I was walking to school, that's all I was doing is walking to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was in a waiting room, that's all I did. I was just in a waiting room. Mm -hmm. I was at a traffic light. That's what I did. TV commercials come on. That's what I did. It was, we were, we had no choice. We were, we, there wasn't really that distraction that we have now. And for now, our culture is always on. And like, we've been, you know, we've been since manifest destiny of crossing the ocean, then cross the Rockies and go to the moon. Like we have deep in our culture, always go conquer, move to the next, move to the next. And that there's some health to that, but it has to be in balance. So Chinese medicine considers that energy to be very young, where that's, that's the masculine go conquer, do move, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't really honor the yin, which is the rest, the receive, the restore, the nighttime, the hibernation that, and we're in a space where that's so out of balance yeah. where we're very young and 
not yin. And our yin really isn't built into our days now of always on and always connected the way it was 20, 25, 30 years ago. So now we have to take that. We have to build that into our schedule. You know, if it's not like until it becomes a habit and a, and a mindset, we, we come back to that mindset. You said it's, it's, it's conditioned. So if it's conditioned, we can be unconditioned from it. Mm-hmm. Our natural state is to be in that balance of going and then resting, doing and then being. But mm-hmm. now we have to, it's, it's imperative upon all of us to create that in our life, to make that a priority that is important for us to slow down, whether that's going for a walk or it's meditating or it's having a treatment. It's, it's something where like I'm, it's, it's, leads to a lot of mental and physical problems if we're always in that going doing moving state because then we can't we can't we relax you go you get try to get in bed at night or you're just sitting down the other day and we have all of this momentum yeah like we're going 65 miles an hour on the highway we take the foot off the gas your car is still moving at 65 miles an hour down the highway it doesn't suddenly come to a stop and then when we do try to relax it feels uncomfortable to yes. us because we have all these pressures telling us we yes. shouldn't be doing that i just have to tell right. you both yes. that as you're telling us this my watch just yelled at me to stand up <laughs> <laughs> well we should smash your watch to pieces yeah. it because... also told me to breathe 10 minutes ago okay. so apparently i'm not breathing and i'm not standing up okay i know most i wanted just to ask about for somebody who's who's thinking about getting acupuncture i know a lot of health insurances cover acupuncture and i and i know this question is in some in some ways i'm trying to i guess get an answer about where our healthcare system is with yeah. its its perception uh, our, not even our healthcare system our insurance industry and what that says about us and all of that um right so so there's so I can understand. So acupuncture is covered by insurance, and that's with a giant asterisk on that. Okay. Right. It is that is a plan to plan thing. There are some insurance companies that will say, "Yeah, we cover acupuncture," but the fine print is we only cover it for this number of visits. Mm. We only cover it for these specific diagnoses. That. Someone's, so they'll, someone comes in like, oh, I've got, I've got this, you know, covered. And then the fine print is actually you don't. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little tricky. And the part of the reason for that, I would say, you know, you ask the question like systemically is I can understand from an insurance standpoint that they need to, they're going to cover things that we know work. And so the way in our culture, we know something works is through these double blind studies is through the scientific method, which is wonderful, albeit limited. Yeah. And so with that, you know, so with the, those companies that say we cover acupuncture for only these, these diagnoses, it's because those are the ones that have been specifically studied and done in, 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 in uh, rigorous through the scientific method studies and they say, okay, well, we know this, so we'll, we'll cover it. So it's and, and to each insurance company and each insurance plan is going to be different underneath that. So there isn't a, a blanket answer to that, which is unfortunate. And I don't want the medicine that I practice to be just for those, uh, just for the wealthy, but it's also there, there's, there's a balance there of, 
you know, I, I do understand, forget about, I mean, we could talk, go off on a tangent, talk about the, the capitalist view and the, you know, of, of big pharma companies and big insurance companies. I'm sure that plays a part to this, but just from a more grounded place. Yeah. If people are interested in acupuncture, they should still, you know, give you a call or contact you and, and at least discuss you know, um, options, options, right. That, that is, even if their insurance may not cover it, it, they should at least give you a call and talk to you. Yeah. Right. And, and one of the most primary things that I tell everybody who calls me, um, whether they end up working with me or not, is that it's, it's about the relationship that you have with your practitioner. Right. Right. Just like if you're going to go see uh, your PCP or an OBGYN or a mechanic, like you want to be like, I trust this person. I feel this person is on the level. They're authentic. They speak my language. They're, they're paying attention to me. Like that goes so far, you know, in our healing process. And I think that that is for some, for some clients that come in and for whatever reason, the treatments that I, I offer them don't, really move the needle on their symptoms, right? Because acupuncture is great, but it can't fix all the problems for all the people all the time. Right. But what they do get out of that situation is they have someone who's looking at them. I work with people one-on-one. I look at them in the eye. I ask them all about their life. I'm reflecting back to them what I see and hear. And that alone is very healing, regardless for like an emotional standpoint. And like a, I feel seen and I feel comforted and I feel heard. You know, even if yes, okay, my my back still hurts, or or I still get a headache. It's like you know what, that is a it's a broader definition of healing than just the elimination of illness. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about some of the other um, um, methods of practice that you use. Um, I'm really interested in this. Um, the shamanic um, healing. Uh, what is shamanic healing? Shamanic healing is a spiritual approach to healing, where say let's say we take Western medicine is, is primarily physical in its nature, where and shamanic approach is very is spiritual in nature. So the again, just like Chinese medicine and acupuncture have a perspective on health that is very different from what we're brought up to you know, to understand and to what we're taught about in biology and anatomy, the shamanic perspective is also very different. It talks about, you know, essentially what happens to us when trauma happens in, in our life and how our energy and how our spirit and how our soul responds to that trauma. And the shamanic healing is really helping our deepest self heal. And whether that is, you know, I can really get over this, this fear of abandonment or this, this trauma that happened to me as a kid or, hey, this car accident that happened three weeks ago that I can't seem to get out of my head, you know, or whatever it is. It's, it's, I would say that the shortest answer to it is that it's really great for trauma healing. And there are different, um, there are different um, shamanic healing tools that you use that I was reading about on your website. Um, one of them was called soul retrievals. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? And 
I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna openly acknowledge these these were brand new concepts to me. Um, so I, I'm definitely approaching this from a perspective of um, I I'd never heard of these and I'm really curious about them. So I, I definitely would love to hear um, as much as you can tell us about them. Cool. Yeah. So a soul retrieval, the idea is that we are souls first and humans second. So it's not that the idea, like you have a soul. It's like, no, you are a soul and you have a body. You're a soul first who inhabits this body for however many years that you're here. And we come in as we would say as like this, this as whole soul in a body. And then just by being human, by having experience in our life, we're going to face trauma. And I use that term very, very broadly. Trauma can be as severe as certainly as, you know, assault or, you know, or neglect or abandonment, but could also be very minor, you know, from say like the three-year-old who draws a picture for mom and mom, 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 look at this picture I, I drew. And mom just had a rough day. Mom, mom is just, she, her, she's got a, she's annoyed at the client and, and her boss is breathing out her neck. She's just had a fight with her husband and, and mom just doesn't really have the energy to, to look at that. And so, you know, mom, 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 look at my picture. And it says like, ah, fine, leave me alone. I, I can't look at this. It just snaps at the kid. Now, so I use trauma in a really, really broad heading because for that kid, from that three-year-old perspective who does not really understand the what it means to be an adult, does not understand the complexities of uh, an adult day, that can be a trauma. And so what happens when we experience trauma is that part of our soul, part of our energy actually breaks off and gets stuck at that time and space. So it's the idea that while, yes, we're sitting here and we're talking on this day here in 2020, there is still parts of us that are in 1985, 1992, that are just stuck in that time, even though we're consciously we know what day it is who the president is we can look at the newspaper and understand understand that and so but that that's a soul fragment is what we call that and it's and that soul fragment has um, a quote-unquote negative energy to it and i don't really i tried to stay away from the term negative energy because there's Mm -hmm. so much yeah uh, misunderstanding and connotation around that but it usually is stuck in fear, anger, or hurt, and that is going to play out in our life present day. So if we have a situation now where um, we overreact and we end up acting like a kid, you know, you know, my wife is happy to point out to me one of the times when I'm, I'm acting <laughs> like a little child, you know, and that those are signs of when I'm my, my primary identity really isn't here as the adult that I am. That soul, I'm, I'm hurt in a way that was similar to what happened to me when I was a long time, when, when I was really young. And that soul fragment is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that pain from 30 years ago. I have a really stupid question slash sure. observation. Stomping Jen will attest to this. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about space, time, and ideas around space and time. Um, recently, and I swear, it, I swear this 
predates this conversation. Um, like thinking about everything is happening, actually happening simultaneously based on we know, on how we know um, space and time interact, which is there is no, there's real no linear nature to time. That is just a human construct. Um, and, and, and so I was just thinking about what you said, how when a trauma occurs to what, what appears to us to be in the past, right? That, that, that is that is something that is actually still like carried with us now, and yes. I couldn't help but connect that in my mind as I was hearing it to this idea that there is no linear time that we are actually we just exist kind of, and right. we're in this soup of experiences that swirl around us, but in, in our mind appear linear. And so we think we can leave them behind, but we, we don't. They're still with us right. because there is no right. linear time. Stomping Jen, am I crazy? My brain just fell out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not trying... A- yeah, sorry. I'm not trying to over um, uh, physicize this either. It's just that was what came into my head as I heard you talking. Right. And so I... I yes. And so... There is and there is not linear time. It's it's very you know to use a the Schrodinger cat is both alive and not. Yeah. That the it it does it it does exist and it also doesn't. So the I here's here's a teaching that I received a couple of years ago. I was standing in the woods and there's a little brook that where I was maybe three feet wide, maybe a couple inches deep, just a little brook, and there was a leaf that was making its way down this brook mm-hmm. and where it could go, it could, you know, the, where the currents could take it would be particular one path down the brook was particularly rocky and, and rapids. Another place, another path was kind of smooth, but the, the leaf was going to move down this river, no matter what, from the perspective of the leaf, there's a linear time. I'm at this point in the river. Now I'm at this point in the river. Now I'm at this point in the river. Mm-hmm. From standing on the side of the shore and looking at it, the all the rivers all moving at the same space. Yeah. There is the water doesn't stop once the leaf moves past it. So that idea that time continues to flow and their past, the present, the future are all happening at the same time. But from the perspective of the leaf, right. it is this is where I'm at on this flow right now. Yeah. So the time is linear in the sense that we know what day it is. We know what day of the week it is. We understand that, you know, I'm a year older now than I was a year ago. There is that linear sense. And also it's, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I guess we can see ourselves aging. That sort of thing, I guess, is a measure of, I don't know. I'm not very good with this kind of stuff. I have to be honest, but I can think about it from the perspective of like, from what Dave's saying, like, there are specific moments that you can re- recollect pretty vividly, you know, not every moment of your life, but there are those certain specific moments that I know that your work may be specific to, you know, trauma or, you know, a healing, um, you know, that energy, but, you know, I can think of positive experiences too, where I have very totally. strong recollect of like, you know, a day or a moment yeah. or, you know, whatever. So I like that idea of the soul fragments, you know, staying with that 
energy in that yeah. space or whatever. So, but you didn't finish telling us about what happens. So you do this soul retrieval work, and then I'm assuming you revisit those 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 places. Uh, with yeah, there's 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 several ways that it can be done, but essentially the soul retrieval. The, the details of the process can happen lots of ways, but the, yeah. essentially the soul retrieval process is we're going back and we're finding that soul fragment back in its place of, of wounding from, from however many days, weeks, months, years, decades ago. And we are healing it and bringing it up to date. We're reconnecting it with you here now mm-hmm. in whatever day you wait, whatever day you're in, we're bringing it back to the present. So you are, you know, that's the, the healing that happens is that, it doesn't mean you're never going to angry again. It never doesn't mean you're not going to get betrayed again. It doesn't mean you're not going to experience these things again. But when these things happen, you're not going to be feeling the pain and have the physical symptoms and the mental sy- symptoms that were generated from years and decades mm-hmm. of um, built up experiences and just latent trauma. So I'm 41. If I have a soul retrieval from, you know, if I have, if I have a soul fragment when from when I was three, if I get triggered now, I'm feeling 38 years worth of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I have that, if I have a soul retrieval done or, you know, and I, that soul fragment gets brought back to me and makes me more whole now, then if a similar wound happens again, I'm not feeling 38 years worth of pain. Right. And whatever, you know, uh, energetic crying out or energetic um, issues that this soul fragment is causing in my system now, whatever, you know, from a scientific standpoint, whatever chemicals that my brain is, or hormones my brain is quietly releasing, quiet release, quietly releasing a little cortisol, quietly a little stress. There's like all day, every day, quietly releasing a little bit of grief into my, into my system all day, every day. That is what stops. We kind of, we, I kind of think of it as, if there's a, a fire burning, we won't, we don't want to just, you know, open up the windows and clear out the smoke. We want to put out the fire. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that explanation. Um, another, another tool um, for um, the shamanic healing approach is the healing shamanic journey. Could you yes. talk a little bit about that one for us? Sure. So a shamanic journey is the main tool of shamanism of shamanic mm. healers, of shamanic practitioners. I also want to note that um, I think it's important to note that I am not a shaman and I don't, I don't use that term for myself. Um, I, I feel that's incredibly disrespectful to use that term for myself. There, you can't be a self-appointed shaman. Okay. It is a community appointed term in tribal communities. So, but the healing techniques are available to, to us. Okay. Just like I can cook sushi, even if I'm not, Japanese. Yep. So as a shamanic practitioner, the one of the main tools that we use is the shamanic journey. So the shamanic journey, what it is, it's again, that can be done multiple ways, but it is can be described in in a Western standpoint. So like there's a trance-like state that the practitioner goes in that allows them to communicate with spirits and communicate, kind of travel, if you will through time and space as, as guided a, a more spiritual perspective, the same, the same thing is that the shaman actually 
their spirit leaves their body and travels through time and space where they need to go to receive whatever healing has to happen. And that can happen in infinite number of ways. So that could be just coming back and be like giving somebody information about this is, this is what's going on. It could be, you know what, we are actually there for whatever reason, it appears in this journey that there's an energetic knife stuck in your heart. So we're pulling that knife out and that resolves someone's chest pain or anxiety or, or tight or, or stabbing pains in their, in their chest, whether, you know, it's, and it ends up being, you know, this is also, we asked about, you know, um, uh, insurance before is that this stuff is not provable, right? This is, again, it's experiential, you know, anything with, with energy work, anything with the healing with the the human process the human condition spiritual growth spiritual learning is experiential yeah and and for me i don't want to overstate this point but i think for for anything that isn't um objectively provable there there has to be an element of spirituality and faith right yes in in what you're engaging in that, that so that um so I kind of one of the questions I had written here was when we're talking about spirits, are they in this pre, in this practice model? Are they literal? Are they metaphorical? And what I'm hearing, you know, based on your example of the the knife in the heart, they could be both. Like depending right. on where you're coming from and where you're at in your life, right? Yeah, and it's it's a and it's a there are so many layers of detail underneath the calling of spirits, yeah. right? Because there are, you know, shamanism, there are benevolent helping spirits, you know, that sometimes are called power animals or guides or upper level teachers. There are also spirits of the land where you live. There's the spirits of, you know, the animals and plants in shamanism. Most, not most, I would, I don't know most, but many native tribes don't have a word for object everything is a being so they talk about the star people as beings as people with personalities you know mount mckinley you know which was originally named denali got renamed back to denali officially that's it's its name is like that is that's this the spirit the mountain is alive western western science says no, that's just a rock or it's a, it's a, you know, it's a collection of, of mm-hmm. stone, but you know, it's sh- it's shamanic work. These beings, these are beings who have personalities, who have wisdom to offer, who have energies and thoughts and perspective to aid us in growth when we're in healthy, right relationship yeah. with them. That's fascinating. Um, so another a kind of another tool in that, um, tool set is shamanic extractions. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit about that too? Sure. An extraction is essentially if something's in your energy that shouldn't be there. If there's an energy that is not of yours, that is unhealthy, that doesn't, that shouldn't be there. There's a tool called a shamanic extraction. Like we're going to take that out. We're going to extract that. Um, that's the short version. We want to ultimately the way that I work and I think the way, you know, a a healthy practitioner works is we want to understand why it's there in the first place. 
we're not just taking something out and being like, okay, go on your way. It's like, okay, we want to take that out and understand like, why did that happen? So you can understand that and learn. So you don't have something else come back into that same wound in the future. Yeah. I like that stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit, kind of probably outside of your direct area of practice. There's some, some questions that came to my mind as I was thinking about our conversation and Oregon jumped into my mind. Um, that state being the first to legalize the use of psilocybin in therapeutic settings for people who don't know. Psilocybin is the, um, the psychoactive component of magic mushrooms and other, um, other fungi. Um, so I kind of wanted, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, if you had any thoughts on, um, the use of plant and fungal based medicines like psilocybin, cannabis, um, ayahuasca ibogaine um and i want to be clear in not saying you endorse them or that you use them in your practice i want to be very clear i'm not insinuating that in any way i'm just i'm curious on your thoughts about those things kind of generally as it might relate to these types of spiritual kind of practices sure so the the most comprehensive answer I can give is also might be the shortest is that these are sacred beings. These are, you know, plants are sacred beings. They are part of the earth and every plant has medicine for us and, you know, treated with respect, treated appropriately and used, used appropriately. They can have, profound healing effects they can really do wonders for for us now the 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 real important caveat to that is that it's done appropriately with respect yeah so ayahuasca for instance has sort of become a uh, a thing a kind of a like a spiritual tourism thing Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. days that, that i've noticed that people have and I don't personally have any experience with it, but I do know that it is, you know, in the, in the places in the world where it, this plant is indigenous, that the tribes there have a generations old connection and understanding of that plant and a generations old relationship with that plant of when to use it and how and why. And it's a relationship that is built on respect, on honor, on this is what this plant is actually here to do for us. And so it can be used appropriately. For I'm going to, you know, drive to this place and, and you know, for me to drive someplace, I don't know, I'm just going to say in, in, say, New York City, where this guy says, oh, yeah, no, I do this out of my apartment. I'm like, it, it already right. kind of loses some of its its depth. And it's it's magic and 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 things can go things can you know not be as complete or as I would say appropriate or as as thorough as um, can be intended if used well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, yeah, and so one of the points I wanted to emphasize here was that people shouldn't. I mean, first, I think to your point, people should respect these 
as as medicines and as tools as they tend to be used in their indigenous settings um but they shouldn't use them without experienced guides or or right. or, or people who um maybe i, I uh, sorry i, I I don't want to. shouldn't use it for fun. Well, I don't want to rule that out either, right? Like entirely, but like what I guess what I'm saying is you should have, you have the well intention, like have the appropriate said. mindset right. going into using these types right. of medicines. Well intentioned and respectful of what it yeah. is intentions right. are. Right, exactly, and because really, they, like let's say um, any any of these plants, they are give, literally giving their life for mm. you. Right. If you are smoking marijuana, you are literally like plant is literally ceasing to exist right. and is becoming and is coming into your body. So there there we want to just be respectful of that. It. it doesn't mean it can't be used for fun. Right. I'm not I'm not saying that, but it, but it's used but used with the proper intention and with respect, that changes things as opposed to I just need a quick fix and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And the only pause that i have just mentally at this moment this is just a a thought that it's coming up around isolating a specific chemical out of the mushrooms or out of marijuana or out of any of these plants it loses some context it loses some of the supporting thing it's almost like when we talk you know when they talked in the mapping the genome like okay this is what this gene does this is what this particular chemical does in our dna and the rest of this is junk. I'm like, no, there's, I don't, I don't believe that nature does things in junk. I think yeah. that there's, we don't understand the context in all of this. Mm. And so like the work that I do, so like, you know, I've heard you say a few times in this, another thing that you do, Dave, another thing that you do, <laughs> yeah. but, and that's because I do a lot, but it's all under this guise of this context of, I want to understand, you know, your relationship to the world and my relationship to the world. And so all of these things are used in that mindset, used in that in, in that thing. So I, a headache is not just a headache. A headache is related to all of these things. And this one particular chemical in this one plant is related to everything else that's in, in that plant. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, context, right? So important. And you know, part of my part of my I think my approach is you know, I'm coming to this, and as I'm sure many people are going to, not understanding, um, you know, these practices and kind of that contextual approach. So I really value, um, you know, that perspective um, and the reemphasis of the importance of that context when we're when we're talking about these specific elements of your, of your practice, it's, it's, I think it's really important to recenter to that. Um, yeah. Stomping Jen. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm thinking about the way you just related that the plant is sacrificing its life and we should, you know, not just focus on one element of it. And I think a relatable concept, which is not what you do whole per, whole person healing, but a relatable concept, context for that specific point is like an animal right like you know 
using all the parts of the animal that right. you were slaughtering, you know, for meat, for clothing, for, you know, tools, using its bones, like using all the pieces that, you know, that very ancient um, respect for animals, I think people can then sort of take that concept and relate it to like a plant, even though, you know, plants don't outwardly appear the same as an animal. <laughs> they don't move, they don't, you know, make noise, um, those types of things on, you know, I don't know. Am I saying something? No, I, I, that makes I completely sense? agree with you. There, <clears throat> there is, but it follows that same, that, you know, to both your points, it follows like, this is the bigger picture, right? You know, this, like this relationship to all, and yeah. I'm not going to just take this one little bit from it. It's like, okay, I might, I will use this one bit for food. I'll use this one bit for warmth. I'll use this one bit to create the, the hull of my boat. You know, there's, there's that respect of the fullness of what something is. Yeah. And tying back to before, we talked about, you know, Western medicine and Western mindset being very young and very like, go, go, go. It's our only thing we're focusing on. We lose the context of how we fit into everything. We, we, you know, we lose that we are still animals. Right. Yeah. We are still part of this huge ecosystem that is the planet Earth. Even no matter how you know much we're sitting here talking over the internet, you know, with with magical <laughs> electronical devices, <laughs> we and like I have nothing against technology. I, I I'm all for it, but used in in yeah. proper context in a proper place. And and I actually I love that you brought up plants stomping jen i'm thinking about trees and what right. we've recently learned about them in the last few years we, and, and dave i think this also speaks to the the context point we were missing an important piece of context when it comes to understanding trees is that like beneath our feet they are communicating with each other through chemical and electrical signals translated by um fungus and like that they're there was so much more to trees beneath the ground mm-hmm. that we didn't see and we couldn't observe. Right. And um, we couldn't even really truly appreciate the richness of their being, right? Like, and and part of it, part of it for me goes into this question I had for you about, you know, we're all walking around here on terra firma, right? banging into each other we're meat sacks you know and i know you, you i know you know and probably believe there's more to that but that's like one of one of my my questions kind of even as it relates to the trees is like do you think there is more to our existence as beings i know you've already answered this but um um then we see kind of on a day-to-day basis of course there is and that yeah. is and and there's there's layers and layers and layers to to it that you know i can't profess to know it all no ways like i continue to learn more like oh my goodness like that's that's how that works or there is this whole other uh way that we can grow and can understand our place in the in in all of life that yeah this is how trees are communicating and and they're you know they're they'll divert resources to a tree that is ailing and they will work together to fight off this plant that's invasive. And, you know, there's, you know, we've long, you know, science has long talked about, okay, well, you know, there's this symbiosis between say the horse and the apple tree that the horse will 
eat the apple and then it will you know it'll digest everything but the the seeds you know which will go in a pile of poop which will end up being fertilizer for it to build it, be the next one but and that's that's true but there's so many more layers to how this is all fits together and how we how we all connect and i i think it's it's fun i think it's i think it's fucking awesome to to discover this and I get such a, a passion and excitement for, Oh my goodness, this is, this is here too. And this, this is this other thing. And it just adds so much more honor and reverence to, to life. And that is something that I think is so sorely needed as a, as an antidote or a counterbalance to the way our culture has gone you know, very materialistic, very focused on creature comforts, very focused on individualism, the sacred eye, you are, you are different, you are special, you are unique. And while that's true, we kind of, you know, in the English language, we capitalize the letter I, we capitalize the pronoun I, like that just, we are the most important word in the sentence. And like there, there has this like little thing of like how important the individual is. And it's not the individual isn't important, but we lose the side, the idea of context. We lose the idea of how we fit into so much more in the world. Uh-huh. That discovering that is is just it it it's humbling, and it's and it's it, it has a natural sense of reverence and honor and, and like, oh my goodness, there all is this. Oh my goodness, I'm nothing compared to all of this. This is incredible. Like the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like the pandemic. Like the pandemic, which is terrible and awful. And, you know, but, you know, at the same time, there's this people are, you know, and I don't know how long it will last after the pandemic, you know, ceases uh, to, to wreak havoc on our world and our culture but yeah i mean i've been thinking about this a lot right like so it's great in a lot of ways right but it's also been i i feel like uh, harmful in some ways especially the inability to like physically be with people Mm -hmm. the way we like to be and I think the the pendulum's going to swing back the other way. I'm going to be walking down the street, hugging, you know, everybody. hugging everybody I see, <laughs> and just like, probably will be thrown in jail for assault. Over hugger over here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and maybe and maybe that you know maybe that's part of um correcting the social energy for a bit. Yeah, you know, I don't know. In right. in a way, if, if we think if we think about the 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 life of a of a society. And the energy of a society, yeah. you know, we're all bottled up now. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it's really, so the spiritual perspective is one that takes the really big picture, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the context that all this other stuff is, is, is operating underneath. So, you know, from that big picture, we would say that the coronavirus has, you know, is part of this ecosystem mm-hmm. of the planet. It is a being just like every other thing, quote unquote, thing on the planet. It has a being, so it has a purpose as part of this global ecosystem. And this global ecosystem is going to be mental, emotional, and physical. Right. So the from a big picture perspective, the question is, what is this doing? What is its role? What is its purpose? What is its medicine for us as part of this giant ecosystem? Right. 
and you guys are, are, are hitting on some of it. And like, I certainly can't profess to know all of it because I'm living through this too. I don't have the gift of hindsight, but certainly to show that, you know, it is non-discriminatory as far as age or race or gender or gender identification or sexual orientation or nationality, you know, or belief system. Like it's, it is, it shows the interconnectedness of all of us. And it sh- it's for some people, it's the medicine of like, what is really important and forcing us to slow down. We mm-hmm. talked about a couple of times tonight about how, you know, we're going and doing, and we don't have that time to be still where now, you know, it's forcing us into that space. Yeah. So there's, and there's, there's more to it. And this is not to, you know, um, gloss over those who have been personally affected by it. And I don't mean to be, to just, gloss over that like that doesn't matter but i'm just speaking strictly from the big picture right. view here yeah no i don't think you were coming across that way at all I, I i definitely i definitely got the idea you were talking in the in the bigger picture um do you think um based on the work you do do you ever do you think about life after death and whether something like that might be possible like yeah it, or sorry that may I keep saying to myself that may not even be the right way to ask that question, right? Like, uh, uh, um, life it, it, after is, your it, physical body it, ceases thank you. Is, to is operate. Physical life, one piece of a larger type of existence. Do you have you contemplated that question based on what you've seen? Oh and, yeah, all yeah. the time. Can you share um, a little with us? Yeah, and I think I might have said earlier that you know I come from a perspective that we are a soul first and a human second. So that our soul transcends our individual humanhood. So I'm known as Dave and I've been Dave, you know, in this particular physical body, this meat suit, if you will. I think Jenny said that earlier um, of, you know, for however many years I've been here and however many years I have left, but that is not the entirety of who I am. There's more to, there's more to this more to who we are and what our experience is. And this is um, also not provable. I have one of my favorite stories um, is, is a, a, a Zen monk and his, and his student and his student turned to his master and says, master, what happens after we die? And the master says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the student got really upset and said, but I thought it was supposed to be this, this master who has all this wisdom and all this experience and all this knowledge. And he says, I am, but not a dead one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. funny. Yeah. So I do believe that there's more to this. I mean, it's, this is not provable. It's really, you know, at the, at the very least, I mean, I, I can speak of experiences, you know, and, and a lot of people who had experiences, interactions with, you know, dreamlike states or, you know, seeing things or feeling things that don't really have no explanation. Um, whether even without that, what this provides is, I think, some peace and some comfort. You know, there's a lot of anxiety around death and that's the end and we have to get this all now. And there's, there's a lot of pressure and anxiety that can come from that where there is that faith of like, there's, there's something more. Mm-hmm. And and like, if I'm wrong, if if I'm wrong that there isn't something more, the cool part know. is I'll never know I'm wrong. <laughs> right? You'll <Yeah>. never know. <laughs> and in one of my in, in, in full disclosure, I've I've never used um, 
mushrooms in a therapeutic or other way. Um, but one of one of the things I've read about them and one of their uses in a therapeutic setting is to um, help people alleviate their fear of death, right? And kind of um, see and feel a greater connectedness to the universe. And I don't know, like I, when I think about it, in a deep way, like I, in my mind, I, I say to myself, it can't be a mistake that the earth is offering up something like that to us. Right. Um, and, and it, and it's almost a near universal experience across cultures, you know, like for people who, who use, use these substances in that way. And, and I just, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not professing to know what to make of it, but I'm fascinated by I'm just like fascinated by that idea, which is why I have to give, you know, have to give Oregon a like for their like for the effect. sorry, that's my soundboard, but um <laughs> I like I have to give Oregon like mad mad props for like embracing this um you know, more alternative approach to like healing the spirit of people who are facing their um, their deaths, you know. I don't know. I just I wanted to tie it back into why, right. why I was asking about that. All right, <laughs> um, we all know where he's going next vacation. Oregon. Oregon. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, but we do have family that just moved. Oh, we there, do. So we That's have right. a reason to go visit Oregon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I but what I will say, and yes. to be honest, like. It is something I would be personally interested in exploring if that could connect me in a greater sense to what it means to be a living being in in this broader universe, but in a therapeutic situation like that. That mm-hmm. would be from that would be my interest. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, all right. I'm also not gonna. I just have to because it's bugging me. It's yeah, super bad. Um, Go ahead. And I'm a super nerd. Um, so there's a tool song. <laughs> uh, the band. The tool. band tool yeah. song. Do you know this song? Do you listen to tool? No, what I can tell by the look on his face. He's like, I don't know what you're tell talking about. about. No, about so there's, this, there's this song. It's like a, it's like a, it's like an intro part mm-hmm. called parable. And then there's a parabola and it's a whole thing. And the lyrics are literally this body holding me. It's eternal. It's Sorry. I can't think of the lyrics. Don't make me do tool lyrics, but I have it running in my head right now. Mm. But it's all about how, you know, your body is just a vessel and that the pain that you're feeling is not real, that you're, you're, you are eternal. And well, I mean, I often have the feeling like I could burst out of this physical form and like transcend it. You never feel yeah. that way. That's what it says. Like all this pain is an illusion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I I yes, and I think I love that. That is, I no, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't know that tool song. I will send it to um, you. <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah, please do because I. But I love that these these things are in these these ideas are in our culture all over the place, like little nuggets here or there. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, uh, we were talking about Star Wars, and like yeah. that. Yeah, that, that the force, you know, yeah. this idea of like the, there's a connection to something more and whether it is, there's, there's no one way to get there. It can be through psychotropic substances. It can be through meditation. It can be through, um, 
you know, the idea of when you've just, you go out on a starry night and you see the stars and there's all of a sudden like, Oh my goodness, there's this sense of natural awe that is there or a beautiful sunset or we have these experiences that it doesn't have to be, you know, chemical that can remind us of that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that being the thing, but there's but the the whole point is that we are of something more. We are part of something far greater than we are led to believe, and that we are conditioned. It's like conditioned to believe, and you know it's really freeing and broadening, and I find very comforting when we start to really start to explore what these things are, yeah. and. You know, made, and you find your own way. And I think that's kind of like why I like the term, like, like spiritual, you know, as opposed to religious. Religious is, I'd say, like a subset of spirituality, where it is, these are the rules that we have come up with based on our understanding to help explain these spiritual concepts, where spirituality doesn't really have that form. Yeah. So I'm thinking about concepts and constructs and another area you work in um dave and i'm going to be really careful to to frame this in a positive way is um building healthier conceptual models of masculinity right the term we often hear bandied about stomping gen is toxic masculinity masculinity. right but um dave has these really um great videos up. Um, I think I saw them on Facebook. Um, um, and I'll mention now that all of the links to Dave's various web presences are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So go find them, check them out. Um, they're really, um, really interesting. And, you know, you can, you can learn a lot just by reading the website and hopefully that will um, motivate you to contact Dave. But let me put that aside for one second. And anyways, um, Dave had a really interesting video about building healthier models of masculinity. Mm-hmm. So Dave, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your interest in that area and how we got into this conundrum of having really unhealthy <laughs> unhealthy models for masculinity in our society. Yeah. Um, well, how we got here, I, I don't know the full history of it. You know, um, I, I would be speaking out of my element to talk all about the history, but we have a culturally, we have a long history of subjugating women and, you know, putting, putting men on the pedestal, men are the more important, the stronger sex, we're, we're the, you know, we're the hunters. So, you know, we're the conquerors. And that is very masculine energy. That's very young energy. Um, however, it's it's a way where we are now is just that kind of run amok. I think that it's just run so far that there isn't that counterbalance. We talked about yin and yang before, just in our day-to-day life and in our culture is very young without having that built-in yin, that quiet, that receptive, that reflective space. And so the term like toxic masculinity, I understand why that's used is because you know, a, a toxin is can be introduced to an otherwise pristine environment and ruin the whole environment. It just kind of feeds, you know, everything fe- feeds off of everything around it, and that's certainly what can happen with masculinity. But I don't like that term because it does not really invite a conversation, and it does not really invite a man to try and transcend that. 
because if you say like you're toxic, a guy will likely just get defensive. No, I'm not. No, what are you talking about? And and it doesn't really engender a conversation about you know moving something forward. So for me, a broader definition of masculinity or manhood rather is one that has both aspects of masculine and feminine there. The ability to be strong and make and be decisive and make decisions and act and uh, be clear and also to pause and to reflect and to um, think ab- to receive to be soft like that is adds a whole greater dimension to what it means to be a human you know and I would say let's say in the last 50 60 80 years women have really stepped more into a space of empowerment you know I probably started you know maybe with suffrage rights a hundred years ago and then world war ii when women started to when men went off to fight and women started doing more of the traditionally masculine roles in, in culture and the women's movement in the 60s and 70s of perpetuating to where we are now is that women have gained a greater sense of their own masculinity their sacred their internal masculinity and where men are have not men have not changed why would we? I mean, life has been good for us. Why right. would we need to? Um, but as women have gathered more of their masculine side, it is important. It's always been important, but now for even more so important for men to really claim that side of femininity within themselves. And that doesn't mean, you know, the, the that we end up, you know, in, in colloquial language, like, oh, you just be a sissy and you're soft and you're just weak and you're only that. It's about having a balance of, you know, masculine and feminine energies within us. And I think that that is, again, something that is sorely needed these times. And it's something that I have a passion about. My, I didn't realize, like, the conditioning that I had growing up as what it means to be a man, you know, and, and until... I got to a certain age and particularly with my wife, she's, she started calling me out on all these things. And then I really kind of boiled back down to, Oh my goodness, look at the sense of entitlement that I have, you know, that like, I'm assuming that you're wrong, you know, and, and I'm like, how could, how could you dare question me that, that idea? <laughs> what stomping Jen? He like shot me this look. <laughs> was it a, was it a, how dare you? No, um, sorry, Dave. We didn't mean he to was joking. You. Sorry. Um, no worries. Um, the the question the question I think that that's coming into my mind. Um, I think I know an increasing number of people who I'd say are um, non-binary, right? Who don't identify as male or female. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a space? I think in terms of thinking about. Um, these energies around masculine, feminine for, is there, is there a, I guess, how can we be more inclusive? I'm, I'm trying to think how can these, these, these models that we, we think of in terms of male and female energy be more, be more inclusive. Um, right. I mean, cause and, I, and I think, my, my, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I think the, I think, um, I think these folks have always been with us. Right. I think, I think mm-hmm. this, this, um, self-conception of being um, um, non-binary is probably as old as people are, right? And we're, we're now, I think, mature enough 
um, as as human beings to begin to to recognize it and give voice to it, at least in our current society. And, and I'm aware there are many indigenous cultures that had space for people who were non-binary. Um, but for us... Um, our exceptional individualistic American society. Yeah. How, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know if I'm asking a question or more just making an observation. Right. No. But I'm with you on that. And like the 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 bottom line that I think is is you know that term binary. It's this or it's that, and yeah. that runs us into trouble. Where if we consider, you know this these ideas to be more these are more fluid that it is healthy you know if you identify as male you identify as female you identify as something else entirely cool but we all have these masculine and feminine energies within us and how you know regard you can have some you know some uh, some cisgender women who are very masculine in their energy and very masculine in their approach and you can have some cisgender men who are very feminine in their approach but we, we, or vice versa, and we, we all have a both. And I think the what I'm looking to promote is that healthy sense of balance within. And not everybody's good. It's not about being 50 50. It has to be exactly 50% masculine energy and exactly 50% feminine energy. But there's to allow for that flow within each of us, even those who are very clear that's it, that they're. That they're heterosexual and they're cisgender. That 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 even under that, we we still have both. We and it's healthy to have a mix of both of those energies to live a, a more complete, full life, a more complete, full sense of who we are. That transcends what actual label, whatever letter you put, you know, in your driver's license application or on top of a form at a doctor's office. It's it's more about the energy that is within us and how we are choosing to embody that and how we are choosing to live and look at ourselves and interact with others based on those, the qualities of masculinity and the qualities of femininity. In my mind, like you kept talking about yin yang, like I could see it as like a circle with those, you know, the shapes, the traditional, and then they shift and they move and they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, that's what's my mental picture of this topic. 100%. It's fluid. It, yeah. it, it is fluid. The, the idea that these are, there are these rigid camps. You're either in this camp or you're in this camp. That really gets us into trouble. Yeah. I mean, speaking from personal experience, there, there are times when I definitely feel like more feminine energy than masculine energy. Like I do. There are times when I feel way more masculine energy than I do feminine energy. Like I, I could, I do feel that shift um, inside myself. Yeah, and I think that the point is that it's it's healthy to do that. And I think for men in our culture, we are not trained that that's healthy to have that flow within. That we are told we only have to be this one way, and any acceptance or any. Um, expression or acknowledgement even of that feminine energy within is bad is wrong should be shamed should be shamed of that that is what i'm trying to you know steer against is to say internally we have both and it's actually makes you you know a better person to embody that actually makes you if you're uh if you identify as a man it makes you a better man to 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 have both 
where our culture says no. The irony of it is that the idea of, you know, saying like, okay, I'm, if I look at some of these, these more feminine qualities that makes me weak, but the, you know, and, and, but the reason that men don't ultimately is because they're scared Mm -hmm. of doing that. They're scared of looking that, which is inherently a weakness. It's, it's a grand irony in that way of like trying to avoid looking weak and actually is weak. I've always viewed feminine energy as, as, as potentially the stronger, more powerful energy just because, right. because of its um, involvement in the creation of life. That's right. I don't know. But again, I don't we know push where babies out of our bodies. I don't know what, <laughs> well, not all of you, yeah. but I, I don't know where I learned that. That's my point is that these, I think these are learned yes. behaviors. Um, and I guess, and, and I don't know if I asked the question in the right way and I don't want to put too fine of a point on this, but I'm thinking, can we have can we have models that address um, unhealthy masculine energy for for people? I'm like I don't again. There are people out there I know who say I don't feel either male or female. And can we have a can we have a space in energy work for those people too? I think that's what I'm. Yeah, not only can we, but we but we think we need to. And okay. And like, I would, I would, you know, I, I'm not here to put words in anybody's mouth or anything. Yep. And I can't speak for anybody's experience. And, um, but I will, I will say that for people who may not identify as male or female, that those title, that's a title, yeah. right? That, that's a, that's a, a moniker that someone will, you know, use to describe something, you know, yep. it's like, it's not neither red nor blue. It's kind of somewhere in the middle there. I'm like, cool. I don't really identify as either of those things. That's fine. But the, idea of masculine energy and feminine energy is kind of like archetypical ideas, archetypical energies that we all embody. And so even if someone doesn't necessarily, I, you know, um, I identify as this particular label still, you know, has the qualities of masculine energy and feminine energy within them still has the qualities of action and being proactive and, you know, a sense of, pride and conquering and doing and, and that masculine side and also has that element of, you know, quiet and stillness and, and reflection, regardless of what title you put on it, those energies still exist in everybody. Can, yeah. can I just reflect back on what you just said, Dave, which is like, okay, so if I'm not red and I'm not blue, but I'm purple, yeah, I still have red and blue in me. Right. Cause without red and blue, I can't make purple. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you not sold on this concept? I don't know what I'm struggling with. I think because what you're trying, I think the point you're trying to make is that if you identify as non-binary, yeah, I think what you're trying to do is say, I want to be inclusive of non-binary folks. How can we do that without using these words, masculine and feminine, right. if they don't identify as those? And yeah. I think what Dave is trying to say is that. Well, masculine and feminine are just names put upon specific personality traits or, you know, that they're not, they're just all in this like big bubble, right? So like, again, like when I say like, you know, red and blue make purple. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think, I think I understand it. But I don't know that that's true. (laughs) Well, like, like, 
just think, sounds like good. I think like Dave was saying, we, you know, we label things as, right. as, as these animals who are trying to Navigate name our thoughts yeah. and name our ideas about things. And, right. um, but I, I think also the message I'm taking away from this is we have to have our energies in balance, yes. right? And that goes back right. to the idea yeah. of whole person healing, right? And yes, um, right. It's instead of like trying to put people in, you know, identifying is this particular, you know, I need, I need to be in this box or in yeah. this box or in this box. It's kind of like these qualities of experience. And if you want to call it masculine and feminine, if that doesn't feel good, you want to say yin and yang. Sure. If you want to say red and blue, sure. Like, but these, these are, those are handy titles. I'm speaking to more kind of like the flowing energy underneath yeah. that historically we've said only fits in this one box. And what I'm, what I'm offering for, um, for men, I work, I work with a lot of men, particularly young men who are, you know, between 18 and 24, who are really starting to step out on their own and really like in that point, like real formative point of being, you know, uh, a man. And I, and I will, I will just heteronormalize it for, for the moment um, that that experience of like, okay, I want to have, I'm having these feelings and I just got broken up with my guys, my friends are telling me just go hook up with someone else. I'm like, but I'm hurting and I'm, but I'm not allowed to hurt in front of my friends. And like, mm. you know, in that practical way, being able to say, no, it's okay to have feelings. Like that is you know, conditioning that, that we get trained out of as kids. That idea, like, you know, suck it up, be a man, don't be a little girl. Like these are the languages that we get yeah. as, as young boys and still now kids get. And like, that is um, such a, it leads to such a problem. And it, you know, there's other things that happens, you know, our training as men, what happens to us is really unfortunate, which just perpetuates a really unhealthy cycle. It perpetuates an environment of, you know, where sexual assault runs rampant, where, you know, domination over, a, you know, um, a subjugated culture or other people runs runs rampant. And where we can, if we approach it more from this place of fluidity and energy, then it we get it out of the ground floor. Yeah. So we can stop building this, this culture that is perpetually uh, churning out these kinds of individuals who are very heavily um, repressed in some in some ways, which it limits their ability to be fully human. Yeah, and also, I mean, encourages um, self hatred, which is really damaging. Like, it, it, like thinking about your example, like it's totally natural um, to feel sad and upset if you got broken up with, right? And yeah, to have people telling you you shouldn't feel that way, right? You know, I, I think it leads to these the, these patterns where men hate themselves and feel weak, be, you know, because they have what are totally natural emotional responses to things, and um, that we've got to undo that. Right, mm-hmm. I, I feel and it's like, not to say that you know, yeah. suck it up, be strong, isn't a good message, you know, and appropriately used, yeah. Right. If I'm running a, a, a marathon, 
and I'm at mile 26 and I've got two tenths of a mile left and I'm hurting and my joints are hurting and I'm in, yeah. like, yeah, suck it up. You just right. get through that last little bit. It's in a, it's in a, a time where it's, there are times when that is a, a healthy approach, but it can't be the only tool that we have. Yeah. And I think that as men, we are trained that is the only tool that you're allowed to have, which then runs us into problems when we don't have this ability to be soft and be more, you know, feminine, if you will, be more yin. And we can't be yin all the time, right? right? The epitome of yin is like, I'm just sitting on the couch, not doing anything all day. Like, I'm just, I'm just being, man. And like, I'm just <laughs> sitting here and just like, not doing anything. Like, we need to have that, you know, a healthy balance to have a, a full, well-rounded life. But yeah. knowing when to apply which it's a lot easier to be more fluid with that as opposed to you only have that one tool in your toolkit, which is just the um, very masculine, the very young side yeah. of things. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to transition here into mm-hmm. where we, we ask you some easy easy questions. Yes, the easy questions. <laughs> yeah, this is the easy part. Now, um, okay. So, and, and these are just questions that we, we ask to help to get to know people better. Um, so, um, so what do you like to do for fun when you're not doing all of this work? Um, I'm a, I'm a hobbyist woodworker. Oh. So I, I do, that's, that's my fun. So for right now, I'm currently making uh, step stools for uh, my friend's kids for Christmas. Oh, fun. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll do projects small. Um, I'll do I the desk that I'm sitting at right now is something I've built. I'll do small and large. Do you? That's, that's a lot of fun for me. Uh, do you rely on kind of um, uh, traditional methods, or do you use uh, like no machines, or do you? Oh no, I use machines. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know there. I know there are some people out there who are into that aspect of oh woodworking. God, yeah. They won't. You know. They use, mill the wood themselves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that what I think that yeah. would be cool. I mean, I I do work with some freshly milled wood, um, and and but I, I use machines to plane it so I can so it can be. I love the the wood's got like the live edge to it. Mm. Um, that that feels like it more honors the the original nature of the wood. It kind of merges some of the my sp- more spiritual shamanic side with my hobby. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of wood. Yeah. What um? What 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 do you? (laughs) Sorry. What do you what do you like about woodworking? What draws you to it? I love the medium. I I love uh. It's I love the medium. There's a it's it's there's so many things you can do with it. Each piece of wood's got its own personality. You know it. Um, it's very functional as well as beautiful. You know it's very it's it's both it merges both the natural world as well as it can be very functional as like holding up a TV, you know, <laughs> and, and like very much in the, the modern world. And it's also, it's time alone. Um, I, I have a wood shop set up in my garage. So that's just, it's time just for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking one of the things I like about working with wood is like the more energy you put into crafting it and shaping it you can draw out something beautiful that's that you didn't see in it before. It's kind of like hidden. There's like, I don't know, like when you stain a piece of wood 
right? Or apply a, like a nice oil to it. You're like, yeah. whoa, all of that was in there? That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the things and I appreciate character. about it. Yeah, character. You yeah. can draw out the character. Um, okay, so um, this this is a question. I'm sure you're going to have an answer to this. We always ask this no, question no, to everybody. I have to. No, um, you don't have to. I do. Um what have you seen that you cannot explain? I always play this spooky music, um, this mystical music. <laughs> what have I seen that I cannot explain? Yes. And um, you can interpret that any way you want. But he's still going to play the spooky music. Um, well, there was a time not too long ago where I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a shadowy figure standing at the foot of my bed. And uh, could not explain that. Don't know. Uh, don't know who that was. If that was a person, you know, if that was my eyes making it up. But um, do you? Yeah, um, that's something I've seen that I can't explain. Do you suffer from sleep paralysis? No, I do. Fortunately, yes. Um, I've seen those before. What shadowy figures? Yeah. at the foot of the bed. And I'm not convinced that sleep paralysis isn't a um, some kind of in between in between state either. It's something I've experienced all of my life, um, and it's it's pretty terrifying. It's often accompanied by strange figures, um, sure. that sort of thing. I think Dave could help you with your all of your issues. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to take you on a shamanic journey and get rid of all of uh, your old past trauma. Well, based on <laughs> what I've fun for me when someone says like, "Oh, my husband could really use this," or "My my wife could really use this," I'm like, "Yeah." That's great, but if they don't want it themselves, then no, like you know, true. it's true. You can lead a horse to water. Yeah. No. Um. I. I you know what? Stomping Jen, you yes. know I'm an incredibly spiritual person. I, yeah. And I'm. I'm not saying I wouldn't benefit from a lot of what I've heard about. Um, uh huh. You know, but but right now, Stomping Jen, my focus is on making awesome podcasts, and I want to <laughs> deliver. I want to deliver to the world. Um, all of the amazing stuff yes. Dave is doing. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so, um, Dave, you have physical offices um, in Belchertown and another town, right? Hamden. In Hamden, yes. Hamden. Belchertown and Hamden. Okay. Yes. Um, anything we need to know about those right now in terms of um, COVID or the offices open by appointment? Are you? What, what do you want people to know about that? So yes, I am seeing people in, in person these days. Um, acupuncture um, was considered essential medicine, you know, essential essential uh, people, uh, essential services. Um, early in COVID, there was some confusion about it, but no, we are, we are considered essential. So I, I am seeing people in person. I'm certainly taking extra precautions. We're, we are trained, part of our training as an acupuncturist is to assume that everybody has something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we are even before COVID, you know, we have protocols in place about needle use and needle disposal and hand washing and, and um, alcohol swabs between each and changing sheets. We have, these are all protocols that were in place long before a pandemic. So um, what's different for me now is uh, wearing face masks during sessions and I stagger my appointments. So there's time between clients for the room to air out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I take everybody's temperature when they come in. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, so, so people, um, if you're interested in what you've heard, um, 
go to um, Dave Ironman's website um, on the regular web, on Facebook. I will have all of the links in the show notes. We'll be putting them out in all of our social media posts. You can find them there. Um, and to you, our listeners, we want to say... Wait. What? We didn't ask him if he has anything else he wanted to oh, say. That, this is why you're a fantastic co-host. <laughs> I always... I'm like a bulldozer. Yeah, he's always, like, question, 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 question. I'm question. always moving ahead. Please, Stomping Jet, ask the question. I just want to give you the opportunity that if there's something we didn't, that we neglected in our thorough research and to ask you about that you want to mention or anything that you want <laughs> you know, plug that you're into these days or anything, you know, giving you the opportunity and the floor. There are, there are, thank you. There are actually two things. Um, one is just kind of to sum up all of what we've been talking about, all these different modalities that I use. We started, we, we couldn't quite know what to call me, what I do. Mm -hmm. And essentially because all of these things, i come from a place of context. Mm -hmm. Whether it is energy work or acupuncture or coaching or shamanism I'm, or men's work, I'm coming from a place of like big context and trying to find a place, for, have everybody find a place of balance, of empowerment. And all of these things are just tools in my toolkit to help people move forward. Um, sometimes people come in specifically for acupuncture and that's all we do. Sometimes people come in specifically for acupuncture and we don't do that because these other tools are more appropriate. I, my thing is, is I have all these tools, but you come in and what do you most need on this day is, is what we're going to, we're going to work to get. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, they kind of fall into a cohesive uh, unit or cohesive package. The idea of learning more about yourself, coming to a place of greater inner peace, a place of greater balance within yourself, greater uh, relationship with the world. That is, um, that's the core of what I do. And so it involves coaching, it involves energy work, it involves acupuncture, but doesn't have to, it doesn't have to. It is free form, it's organic, it is individual, depending upon what you need on a particular day. Mm -hmm. So that is, um, I want to just kind of like put a package of, I'll put a, a, a bow on all of these things. That's kind of like, when someone comes in, like there's like, you have all of that at your, at your disposal. And we can just see what is most appropriate for you at that point. Awesome. Um, and the the other thing is that I also do some teaching, and so I and I I teach shamanic work. So I have a year long program that I call Walking the Shamanic Path that I am currently teaching, mm -hmm. and I'm a little more than halfway through this this program. There's another one going to be starting in 2021, both online as well as in person. But it is a program for people to discover their own shamanic connection or to just to have those experiences more with the natural world, to go on this place of exploration of like, what is out there? How do I fit in it? What, what is this stuff called shamanism and how, you know, I, or I have a calling to it. And what is it? How does it apply to me? That, that's something that uh, I'm very passionate about and I, I love doing it and um, so I'm, I'm uh, putting people on notice that that is, that that is also uh, something that, that you can do individually or as part of these classes that are going to be starting next year. Cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Spreading the, the love and knowledge. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Okay. All right. 
Now. Now stomping Now down. you are allowed to close the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, first and foremost, let's thank Dave Ironman for joining us. It's been nearly two hours oh stomping goodness. Jen. Does it really? It did. We fell we fell into a hole. Oh no. Um, I mean that was a good thing. Yeah, no, it is a good thing when we when I look down at the timer and see it's been <laughs> almost two hours. Um so um Dave, thank you so much. I yes. I mean I learned a lot. Um I I value um your approach and what you're doing for our community and um you know wish you luck um as we as we all move forward together um, mm-hmm. during these times and beyond these unprecedented times. Yep. To our listeners, <laughs> to our listeners, I have a message for you. Uh oh. And that is the same message I give you every time. Oh, okay. Which is thank you. Thank you. I love you. I don't know about stomping Jen. Oh, God. She may not love you, but I do, and that's what's important. There is much love from the soft serve mm-hmm. podcast. Hmm. Okay. To all of you out there. Why can't you say that you love them? I... <laughs> okay, anyways, let's move on. Thank um, you. Listeners, we love you. How's yes, that? Yes, that's right. Um, we love you. Small favor to ask you. Um, if you haven't already, um, please subscribe to the podcast, download, and most important, Stomping Jen. Share with a friend. Share with a friend, right? We want other people to hear all mm-hmm. of this goodness. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some really great stuff coming up. So keep listening, and we'll see you for the next one, right? That's right. Okay, here we go. We can say bye now. Oh, yeah, we have to say it. I'm going to say it. Okay. Um, Bye now. Bye now. Thank you.